welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Hosanna. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. That's why we say, be lifted higher, higher. Be lifted higher. Jesus, let's be clear. Jesus, you'll be lifted higher. Hosanna means save us, Lord, we pray. On this day, uh, almost 2,000 years ago, Jesus came into a city accepting praise from people that he knew was going to reject him. That's why the Bible says that God demonstrates his own love towards us. <laughs> Y'all are hear me today. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And we may look at those people like they were crazy, but I don't know if you know it or not, you and I crucified him too. You and I were driving nails in his hands. You and I were driving nails through his feet. But thanks be to God, he didn't let what we did to him affect his commitment to die for us. I like the way the old Mississippi Mass song says it. It, it. it wasn't the nails that held him to the cross, but it was the love of God that held him to the cross. Somebody ought to hear me. And so we are forever grateful. Y'all say, why y'all talk about Jesus so much? Why y'all talk about the death, burial, and the resurrection so much? Because without it, we're fools. And um, Paul says, we are the worst of those to be pitied. But if he is one who died and raised from the grave, then he is the power of God and we are to live for God. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. Well, we are still in our new series on uh, Christian liberties. Christian liberties. Liberties versus legalism. Are y'all still with me in this series? All right, all right. Well, we're going to start down at the verse we left off on and finish up. Try to finish up today. I think we'll do it. Start at verse 16. Verse 16 of Romans chapter 14. While you're turning there, believers, uh, um, not just believers, but um, members, don't forget we have a members meeting here at one o'clock. It's a very important meeting to go over a ton of content that we need in relation to our strategic direction in the near future. Update you on what's going on, what we're planning, and what God wants us to do. So at one o'clock right here in the sanctuary, right after this gathering, we will have a members meeting. 
meeting. All right, verse 16 to verse 23. One, two, three, read loud. today in part two, liberties versus legalism. Father, it is a great honor um, to find ourselves in you. Um, it is the greatest, uh, it is the greatest identifier in the universe of settling us in the beauty of not trying to find ourselves. As many of us have searched everywhere under every rock person, place and thing to find ourselves. And we always come short because we never find ourselves. We can create something uh, that is a caricature of who you want us to be. But really, Christ is the image that we're being conformed to. And so, God, um, I'm praying that as we're making waves even now as a church and we're doing ministry, um, I sense a lot of assignments of the enemy on us and on different families and different individuals. And God, I pray against every attack. There's some people in here going through some attacks in their home. I come against the devil. I come against his presence. Some of you are having some of the most vicious panic attacks, anxiety attacks, emotional attacks, and spirit. And I come against every assignment and call over it Jesus's name. I call Jesus's name over marriages. I pray Jesus's name over confused. Singles who are confused right now, with God's love. I see your affirmation over there. I come against him right now. Satan, you have no place. Listen, y'all, what God is gonna be taking us soon, and y'all know I don't usually even talk like this. There's going to, be, there's a concerted effort to stop us. Um, it's not about a building. It's not about any of that stuff. It's really about disciples being made. He hates people to look like Jesus. And whatever he can do to put a stop to it, to discourage it, for you to go spiritually. And some of y'all are coming out of some strongholds and have come out of them. Listen to me. And the enemy's trying to pull you back into some stuff you were delivered from. And you're, and you're on the edge right now of going into it and I, I'm going to call upon God right now in Jesus' name to pull you back specifically from those particular things that are keeping you bound. Lord Jesus, I pray for them. I pray for that woman. I pray for that brother who is on the verge of giving up on their sanctification process. 
Lord, help them not to give up. Lord God, I come against the spirit of confusion. Lord God, plug their ears from the voice of Satan. All I hear God saying is don't give up. That's all I hear him saying. I just hear him saying, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Yeah, man, I, gotta, I, I was going to save this, but um, there was a, oh God, help me. Give me a moment, y'all. Are y'all okay with that? Give me a moment. There was an um, um, artist in a art gallery going around with a lot of people. And he went by this painting, this chess painting of Satan playing chess against someone and smiling because he won. Um, and he's laughing because he's about to checkmate the guy. But um, everybody else starts walking past. But the world championship chess player just stood there looking at the painting. And they didn't know that he had moved. He didn't move on. And he just kept standing there. And the, they came back and said, we're ready to go. He says, I'm looking at this painting and this caption is not correct. They said, what do you mean? He said, well, the devil is smiling because the person doesn't have a move left, but they're looking at the board with confusion. He says, but I'm a world-class chess player and either they're going to have to rename this painting or repaint it. Because I'm looking at the chess score and I see that the king has one more move. Y'all ain't gonna hear me today. He said he doesn't realize that Satan is trying to confuse him, that he's out of moves on the board. But if he understands how a championship player plays the game, the king has one more move. All I'm trying to encourage you with today is that some of you are about to give up. Some of you are about to let go of everything. But I'm just trying to let you know right now that your king has one more move. always has something in his bag of eternal tricks to hold you in place to keep you where you are and to help you to stand firm in him all right all right y'all all right Lord God touch that person that's crying out now God touch them touch them touch them Lord God that you have hit them in, a, in the spot they needed to be hidden Lord Lord God be with us during our time as we get in the word in Jesus name Amen
Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Liberties versus legalism. Um, we're in a um, period of time where God is God is always working on our commitment to holiness. But I believe we are in a, a, a thick season of being in God's remnant distillery. Um, being in God's remnant distillery means he's really uh, 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 really revealing who the church is. In our culture, there's so much confusion about who the church is, is that it's a lot of hard work just to get the ground zero to bring clarity. And so there is a call, I believe, for us to not just live in a disposition of laissez-faireness. But we're called by Jesus, by God, to live in a, in a reality of a commitment that makes it clear that we know Jesus. You say that again. Uh, we, we, there's always time for that, but I believe it's even more, um, it's, it's, it's a stronger sense of that. And that's why I believe that this series um, and what God wants to say to us is superlatively paramount in relation to our commitment to Jesus Christ. Uh, when we talk about this idea of liberty, somebody say liberty. Liberty just means freedom. Um, when we talk about this idea of freedom, I've defined it as freedom in the Bible is enjoy God, enjoy his people and his world on his terms. I mean, let me say that. Let me say that again. Enjoy God, enjoy his people and enjoy his world on his terms. That, in other words, the freedom we have in Jesus Christ to walk in newness of life. So freedom isn't just about what we're freed from, but it's also in what we're freed to. If we don't recognize that freedom is not just about what I stop doing, but also what I get to do, because before you met Jesus, your will was in bondage. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 says, you couldn't help but do Satan's will. And now, um, now you are a believer. Now you have been given the capacity to choose the difference between good and evil. And so Paul is schooling the believers in Rome about the necessity to function well in their choice of liberties. And as we think through that, that's very important to us because we have to do that today, which brings me again to the same point I had last week that I didn't finish. Same point is love matters most. Love matters most. Again, Paul is talking to the Corinthian church. If you don't, I mean, a, a Roman, Roman church, and you don't, and a lot of us don't realize that Romans 
is a is my 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 uh my last semester of Greek professor says was God's uh, was Paul's theological treatise on the gospel. If he were to get a full-bodied gospel presentation that he wanted to fully present to someone, he said, "This is Paul's letter. The most this is the most theologically dense book of the New Testament." Um, it, 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 it uses the word gospel more than any book of the Bible. When you get a chance, just pull out a Bible dictionary and look up the word gospel and see how many times that Paul brings up the word. That's a very important thing. Now, the book is broken into multiple sections. It's broken into justification, sanctification, and glorification. It's broken up into those three sectors. The first part of the book talks about what it takes to be justified. In other words, it told us that everyone's without excuse. In other, in other words, you can't get before God and say, when you, ain't nobody tell me anything. Well, he said, you can go outside and see I exist. He said, there are some things in science you can't explain. Amen, somebody. But then it goes from there and tells us that, 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 that even your standard that you use to judge what right is, God will use your standard against you and show you you didn't even keep your own principles. <laughs> then he tells us that we're all falling, tore up from the floor. If nobody does good, everything. He goes through that. Then he talks about the fact that now we are justified by faith in Christ. But he said, don't get comfortable with just being justified in Christ and thinking you have insurance to, to, to come out of hell. No, he said you have not insurance merely to come out of hell, but assurance to walk a resurrected life. But he says, don't think just because you know Jesus that you're fully perfect, but you're being perfected. That means you're going to have some struggles. That's why Paul says, when I want to do what I want to do, that's right. I can't do it because of what dwells in me. But then he says, no, don't get down on yourself because we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. And as he goes on and on and on, then he talks about the Christian living section, the community section. And that's where we are now. And he's talking about why love matters most. He said, therefore, this is one of my mama's favorite verses to quote. The, the, the old translation, I know my old school people are going to say, don't let your good be spoken ill of. That's the old translation. I like that, though. That's poetic. You understand? Uh, I, I, but I do like the simplicity of how the CSB says the same thing in a different way. It says, therefore, do not let good be slandered. That's good. Now, the word slandered is the Greek word blasphema, where we get our word blasphemy from. Blasphemy is a term that means to speak against God. To curse God. When Job's wife said curse God and die, she was literally saying blaspheme so God can kill you and get it over with. Right? And so here in the context of Christian liberties, he says you're free to do certain things as a believer, but you have to be careful that your good not be spoken ill of. Uh, I'm not, now, 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 my mom, my mom was always on me when I became a believer uh, 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 about my life. And, you know, some, some, trans, some people say avoid the very what? Appearance of evil. That's the sense, right? Now, now, when we talk about that, and we're going to get into this in liberties because these are foundational messages to the, uh, this message last week and this week, the week before rather, and this week are really foundational liberty principle messages that are going to guide us principally through the rest of the series. So we're going to refer back to this 
passage a hundred times. And what I like about this passage is that Paul keeps repeating himself over and over and over again. And it's very important that he's, uh, that he's recommunicating himself. And so what is he saying is that it, 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 the, the word blasphemy means to speak against someone in such a way as to harm or injure their reputation. So now blasphemy is usually used of God, but when used of man, they're saying what you can do when you use your liberties, when someone could stumble because of your liberty, then what could happen is, well, what can happen is, is it can injure that person's conscience and make them think there's nothing wrong with what you're doing. Now, let me see if I can make it plain. Now, I, I am going to talk about shacking later, but I'm going to give you a principle. I am going to talk about shacking in a message on sexuality and stuff. Because we got to talk about all that, right? Don't we? Don't we? Okay, church, I'm making sure. Some of y'all was looking like y'all didn't want to talk about these things. All right? Is it wrong for a man and a woman to live in the same place unmarried? No. No. The problem is, y'all look me in the eye. Is it wrong for two people? Now see, is it wrong for two people that ain't married to lay in the same bed together? No, that's not the problem. Y'all looking at the past. What the, the problem is, is I don't know too many of us who can lay in the bed. Because uh -huh. if somebody, if, if somebody hair follicles on their leg, Oh, I don't have a real church. I'm going to go somewhere else and pastor. Because I ain't got no real church up in here. And, and, and the hair follicles rub up again. You go, everything in your life just cut. You ready, to, you ready to put it all on the line. But even if you've done nothing and you've platonically lived with one another, right? And people know y'all live there together. What's their assumption? They're getting it in. As a believer then... We can't fight with a person to say we're not doing First off, nobody's going to believe you. I don't believe you. I don't. I don't. Somebody walk out the shower with a towel on and go into the, their room. I'm peeking, looking, <laughs> scheming. See, y'all got a real past. If y'all want a fake dude up here, see, some of y'all, oh, I'm going to be in there praying and fasting and thinking about the eschaton. And see, see, and see what, what can happen is, even if nothing's happening, there is an assumption that it is. So imagine you trying to share the gospel with somebody that knows you're living without someone married, even though they know that it's sin in your religion and faith not to have sex with someone, even though you say you're not having sex, there's no human on the planet that think you're gonna live with some type of beautiful fineness and not do nothing. So what can happen for a believer who's young in the faith. You know what I'm saying? I remember when I was in college and I first, first started walking with the Lord. Me and Yvette wasn't together, so I want to let y'all know that because I know you're watching, baby. This wasn't our season yet. Because <laughs> she's she, she, she on the couch like this. 
who? What's her name? What's her handle? What's her tag? Right? Um, <laughs> and so she's a Christian girl. I was fresh believer. So, man, she said to me, she, I said, what you doing? She said, I'm, I'm going to the club. Now, is it wrong to go to the club? You the first, I'm the first pastor to sit in the pulpit. Now, it's not wrong per se. Are y'all hearing me? I'm tr- Listen, this is what I'm going to do in this series. I'm going to be honest, but I want you to grow in maturity in relation to what I'm saying is not necessarily a sin. Do you hear me? So going with a sin. Now, first off, I'm a new believer. Now, I went to clubs drinking zombies. I'm losing my memory. Don't know what happened the night before, smoking weed in the car. So you got to understand my relationship with the club is different than hers. So she's talking about some, yeah, I'm in the club and, you know, I get a drink and I sit down and I share the gospel. I'm just like, dude, like, now I'm a new believer. Like, I'm like, Christians ain't even real people. Like, I don't even know what's happening now. But I began to see her as carnal and even it affected my ability to see sanctification in a particular way and made me think in my mind, and even, we're gonna talk about it in a second, even go beyond my conscious restrictions. This is very important. Because if you have conscious constrictions, it's a sin for you if you do it anyway. Hear me, oh, I wish, I do have time. I'm the pastor, I got time. Um, so the Bible says in Ecclesiastes that God has placed eternity in our hearts. It's not in my notes. Now, what eternity in our hearts means is that God has given every human a conscience. Whether you know Jesus or not, there's a, there's a barometer, even if it's corrupted, that there's right in the world and wrong in the world. Right? So what happens, though, is when you're not a believer, your conscience, listen, it does not have a good compass because you're not in Christ and you don't believe the Bible, right? And so what can happen is, is when you become a believer, that conscience is still there, but when you trust Jesus, the Holy Spirit is attached to your conscience. You you hear me? So now you have a new spirit, you have the old thoughts and patterns of the flesh, but you do have the Holy Spirit and you have a new spirit that is able through Christ's death to do what God wants you to do. But what happens is, is when you haven't been sanctified in certain freedoms in your soul, where the Holy Spirit abides, you still have a conviction about that thing being a sin. What you shouldn't do is plow down those particular convictions until God has sanctified you and he may never sanctify you in that area because for some of us, those restrictions are barriers to keep us from wilding. I know I'm preaching. Because some of us have addictive personalities. See, some of us, when we into something, we into, we're scholars. You understand? Like, and some of us, when we're into something, if we go into that particular thing, then we'll be into it in a way that leads to us having an addiction to it, a fascination with it, a disposition to it with that particular thing, even though wrong will become an idol. And so when he talks about this, and Paul, this is, I mean, this is a master class in my mind uh, of, I mean, the way Paul does this um, in helping the believers to, to really uh, engage this. Uh, 1, Peter, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, 
verse 11 and 12. This passage is specifically to believers. But I do believe that this has application to mission. He says, Peter says, dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God in the day of visitation. So see there, we see the shape of the impact of that where God wants us to be effective in helping there to not be blaspheming of the Christian faith, blaspheming of God or anything else otherwise. Verse 17, y'all still trekking with me? It says the kingdom of God, this is dope. This is what I love. So he says the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. This is dope. Now, now I want you to, Think about this. When he says the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, he's basically saying um, uh, uh, um, the kingdom of God is not about you pursuing taboo liberties. Hear that. He's using eating and drinking as an example, and I'll tell you why in a second. Because this is, this is now very, very important, and it will, it, will, it will play into how you view everything, Right? But it's but but what is it? But righteousness, peace, and joy in the I like the old translation. They said the Holy Ghost. Yeah, ghosts make it just oomph a little bit more. So what's the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God. So when we say when somebody says the kingdom of God, what is the kingdom of God? God's comprehensive rule over all creation. That's what it is. That's what my, my spiritual father has always defined it that way. I love that definition. God's comprehensive rule over all creation. Listen to this. Throughout the Bible, the kingdom of God is his rule, his plan, and his program. So when you look at your life, you're a part, when you trust Jesus, you are a part of God's kingdom program. Most of the time, the Bible never defines the kingdom. It describes the kingdom. So when you look in the book of Matthew, y'all still trucking with me, right? When you, when you look in the book of Matthew, Jesus will say the kingdom of God is like. And what he will say, he'll never say the kingdom of God is. He tells you what it's like in similes and metaphors and hypocatastasis and metonymies of adjuncts and decisions to help you to frame your mind around a picture of the kingdom. Because he wants the kingdom to be illustrated. Right? And so here, Paul does the same thing Jesus. He said it's not eating and drinking. In other words... The kingdom of God is not about your personal preferential freedoms and you living life on your own terms. You know, people be like, I'm free. I'm free in Christ. What does that mean, though? Are you about to flaunt something or are you about to lock down in something? Right. He says God's kingdom covers everything in the universe. In fact, we can define God's kingdom as Comprehensive rule over creation. It is the rule of God, theocracy, and not the rule of man, homocracy. I like that. Homocracy, that's a good word versus theocracy. That is paramount. Now, if God's kingdom is comprehensive, so is his kingdom agenda through us. So the kingdom agenda is God's blueprint for how all of life is lived. Let me say that again. The kingdom agenda is God's blueprint for how all of life, how all of life is lived. So when he talks about eating and drinking, he knows that there are Christians that are in the Roman church who are not, uh, who are Jews, who are not Gentiles. 
And he knows that they drink, they, they eat blood pudding. Y'all may not even know what I'm talking about. You know, um, they eat things strangled and we'll see it later that some of them will just eat and uh, uh, eat things that are sacrificed to idols. So when Paul is saying there's nothing unclean, he's basically saying that if someone eats something sacrificed to idols, when you pray over it, its designation to idols are really null and void. And it ultimately is God who created it, not the idols that it's dedicated to. However, if you have a believer that was deeply entrenched in idolatry in that particular area, or you have someone that it's just a struggle because of their Jewishness, that's what the Council of Jerusalem was about in Acts 15 when they talked about abstaining from certain meats. Why? Because it says because of the Jews there. In other words, they didn't want something in the way of thinking that Christianity was a religion dedicated to evil spirits. Even though a Christian could say, listen, Jesus Christ died to overcome the evil spirits. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I prayed and repented the devil now I'm about to fry this up or I'm about to put this on the grill and I'm about to go to work but 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 what happens though is God says no if there's a designation there and your brother has a past in that particular thing if your sister has a past in that particular thing then be careful of your relationship with it so he says the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking what is it I love this peace joy Righteousness and the Holy Ghost. So what is righteousness? Behavior that is spirit led. <laughs> Behavior that is spirit led. It means commitment to God's moral requirements. So that means righteousness comes first. Somebody say righteousness comes first. Uh, Y'all got to hear me. This is superlatively important. Righteousness comes first. In other words, when you get saved, God saves you with the inherent ability to obey him. Period. So it's first righteousness. Second, it's peace. Somebody say it's about peace. Peace with others that is spirit led. Now, peace. We know we have peace with God, but it's also about peace in the body. That means that Christians shouldn't be arguing with each other online. Coming on, coming on people's pages, going off in the comments and, and hashtag. And, and, you know, the hashtag will if it's a general hashtag like God or whatever, it'll lead. Listen, it'll lead people who are in the hashtags to your page. Now, a lot of times those hashtags can be non-believers coming to your page and seeing how Christians interact with each other. Are you hearing me? And so, 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 so our witness is paramount. Now, there's a time where you got to rebuke the brethren publicly. Amen. You know, brethren sometimes need a verbal spanking every now and then to the glory of Jesus but not as a way of life. Now, it says joy is satisfaction in God that is spirit-led. In other words, satisfaction, uh, joy is commitment to the happiness and good pleasure of others in this context. Let me say that again. Is a commitment to the happiness and good pleasure of others. Now, now, now that means that our, our, our community relate. If we apply these three things in the local church context, how much will the curb of church hurt go down? Right? And we said the kingdom of God is not about my personal preferences, but it's about righteousness. It's about finding a way to be at peace. Oh, I wish I could spend the rest of my time on there. Because we live in a time where people don't, don't pursue peace. They walk away from conflict. 
And so we as believers have to engage in godly conflict so that we don't have phony unity. That's uni uniformity is looking like we have peace. Unity is functionally walking in peace, right? And, but, but then joy, in other words, like being in the presence of other believers. I mean, let me just ask you a question. This, I don't even want you to say nothing. It's rhetorical. Do you love other Christians? Is your, uh-oh. <laughs> this passage is literally about, is Christianity just a meme to you? Is, is, the faith, is the faith just something, do we talk positively about the church? This is very important. I don't really like those pages, let me tell you this. I don't like those pages where people are constantly making fun of the church. Dudes putting on wigs and doing all of this church stuff and smacking people and kids acting this way. And, and, I, and uh, church mothers who fall and their wig fall off and we're, we're laughing at that. And so uh, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I even follow those church pages that make fun of the church. Why? You have a liberty to do that, but is it expedient? Because if we don't take us seriously, who gonna take us seriously? Are you hearing me? So he says, whatever serves Christ, whoever serves Christ, this is, this, is, this is deep because this is where it begins to ask you really, really strong, hard questions. Listen to what it says. Whoever serves Christ in this way is acceptable to God. In what way? Doesn't always press what they can do, but takes opportunities to say no to what they know they can do, but restricted for the glory of Jesus. Now, we're not talking about acceptable to God in the sense of you're saved. We're talking about practical acceptance. Um, uh, um, uh, and so because, because your children, again, you know, can still be your children and act in unacceptable ways. You know what I'm saying? Uh, um, um, I don't know if you know that. Um, but, you know, um, it's nothing worse than hearing my kids arguing. You know, I, you did it. I didn't do it. You didn't do it. Then it just sounds like mush to me. And sometimes I give it time, and then I know what my, 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 my mama would say. She said, shut up, my nerves are bad. I know what that means now. <laughs> Older I get, I'm like, that makes sense now. I said, everybody, shut up! Shut, just shut! Right? Because I can't stand to hear my kids fighting. But every now and then I'll see Nehemiah, have Ephraim, they're watching something and laughing together. And when I see them together, brothering each other, their sister falls and all of them gather around and that brings, that brings me joy. How do you think God feels about us in the church? When we're fighting each other. But how do you think he looks at it when we're, when we're joyfully looking out for the concerns of our siblings? <laughs> and, 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 so, and, so, and so he says, he says, he says, whoever serves Christ, serves Christ is not just the person you're serving Christ in this way is acceptable to God and receives human approval. He says, so now your brother approves you and now is able to see you as a functionally sanctifying Christian who's a godly man or woman. Do you want to be seen as a godly Christian? Do you? It's rhetorical. Does it matter to you? Right? 
because I know we have all of these cultural axioms that are leading us in so many places. The, the idea of this verse is the same echo of Genesis chapter 128, which says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. What does that mean? To support human flourishing. Our ultimate purpose when God created us was that men would flourish under him. That means man would not be inhibited in any way of his enjoyment, his service, and his commitment to God. He's saying now when we lay down our liberties for the love of our sibling, we're pushing forward their flourishing. It's beautiful. <laughs> so, so, so he's saying restricting your freedoms at times. And we'll, so we'll talk about when you don't have to restrict your freedoms. Again, these are guiders for us through this, right? He said it's acceptable to God, right? And so he says, receives human approval. I love this. So, 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 so as we look at verse 19 now, he says, so then let us pursue what promotes peace and builds up one another, striving for something with intense effort that promotes peace. Look at verse 20. He says, do not tear down God's work because of food. That's dope. So again, now he's saying, do not tear down God's, do not tear down God's work because of your personal preference. Now, one of the things that we all have to think through, and, and, and the reason why um, I, I use social media a lot of times as an example, is because um, social media and how we use it, in my mind, is a good barometer for what type of commitment to Christian restrictions and freedom you have, right? So if you, and we're going to talk about this later. So if you go to Aruba or Jamaica, be gracious in your pictures. I'm going to just sit there right here for 60 seconds. I got a whole sermon waiting for you on this for men and women. It's coming. But some, but, but is it, is it, you go, listen, go to, go to the Greek Isles, go to Australia, go to Fiji, go to Hawaii. Listen, I love you. The millennials, y'all don't travel more than every generation in the kingdom. Do it. But just, just, be, be careful. And I'm not doing the Michael Jackson, by the way. Be, be careful. Why? I want you to think sometimes before you post, I'm a Christian first. What effect? Is it okay to show your feet in the sand? Praise God, long as they not hammer time. Amen. That's, that's a Christian liberty you have, but, you know, make, make somebody stumble. Amen. Um, <laughs> but there's this sense in which, like, what, 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 what I'm trying to pastor us in is, is there ever a question in our mind? Is there a, ever room for the Holy Spirit to say, is this good to do? That, that's really what I'm trying to get us at. Is, 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 is this expedient? Mm -hmm. 
Because now it's like, listen, I, I want to I please God, not just show what I'm doing and how I look. Even in your progress video, if you lost weight, you got to be careful. Listen, somebody over here, you know, they, they 350, then you come over here and you, you know, you got six pack and you, you oiled down and everything. And you got on sweatpants. Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all, listen. Is there a question? Because you're waiting for the comments. Oh, lit pick. There's more than lit. It's a way that you can tastefully show that you lost weight without turning people. Because we know what we're doing. Stop judging. See, this is what this series is about. Some of y'all going to be like, you just judging. Christians are, no, y'all know if you're a real Christian and I'm not judging. And you know the real reason why you posted it. And so do not tear down God's work because of your preference. Because some of it is not liberty, it's sin. And some of us think it's a liberty. That's how warped some of us are. Because we don't realize that that right there is full on sin. You don't have the liberty to show all of your body. Help me today, Jesus. And then you can say, well, Pastor, you out of shape right now. Well, I'm getting in shape. And, I'm st- and listen, when my six-pack of only person going to see it is my wife. I'm going to have me a six-pack in this lifetime. Triceptacles, bicepticles, shoulder pads, everything. Hey! <laughs> But listen, when I go to the beach, I ain't going to try to take a fake pic and join with the family. Because you know that pic wasn't about the family. It was about you wanted to see if you still had it. Devil. I told y'all if y'all want another pastor, you can have him. I'm going to tell you the truth. Even if it got to do with me. (laughs) <laughs> he says, but it is wrong to make someone fall by your preferences. Whew. This is key. There's some ego you have to give up to glorify God. <laughs> I deal with it all the time. Y'all listen. Listen, I have erased more stuff that I know shouldn't have gone out. But I was just like, you know what? I'm going to post it. But see, we had a Holy Spirit that doesn't let you. See, I don't know how some of us get away. Holy Spirit don't let me get away with certain things for a long period of time. Because he rides me, rides me, and grinds me, and works on. And, and he's, he's not beating me up. He's trying to say, you're better than this. You're better than what you're saying. You're better than what you're posting. You're better than, listen, I'm trying to tell you right now. You're better than what you're putting out there. You're better than the stuff you're letting. You're better. You're better than that. You're better, you're better, you're better. Listen to this. Listen to what this, I had to, I had to read verbatim this commentary. Because this was so rich. Are y'all still with me? Yeah. I'm just teaching a little bit. He says, we must be careful. Listen. Not to generalize on the principle expressed in this teaching. This is exactly what I'm saying. 
Paul was not saying that sin is a matter of a personal opinion. Very important. Your liberty isn't about your, if someone that's a Christian doesn't like your liberty and believes it's wrong, listen, I'm gonna be honest with you, that is not what this text is talking about. This text is talking about your liberty that leads someone else into believing that it's uh, 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 that you're sinning and that they should go back into it and override their conscience while sinning doing it. Are you hearing me? It's not about a judgmental Christian that says, well, women should wear skirts. Well, women should, you should be covered from here to here. That's not what we're talking about. That's preferential stuff, right? So, so he says, no, he said he was not teaching that as long as we think something is okay, it is okay either, right? Scripture clearly teaches that certain things are wrong. Listen, is it okay? Listen, in here, I hope you're not so culturally captured that I can't tell you when something's wrong. Some of you, many of us need to grow up out of thinking that being rebuked means being rejected. <laughs> See, because some of us, we, we can meet with you as a leader, you understand, and everything is all right in the meeting. Then it's that post-meeting devil meditation. After the meeting, you get in the car, wherever you are, and the, de and the devil says, see, see how they act, and, blah, 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 and see how the church is, they ain't nothing but judgmental. See, you can do what you want to do. You ain't got to listen to them. Listen, you can do church at home. You don't need the body of Christ. Listen, you go, and the devil is just pulling you away from the flock. Just like, you know, the, the cow, you know, I like those National Geographic shows. You know, I love them joints. And, and, and one, of the, one, of the, one of the things thinks the, the, the herd is moving. But one of, the, one of them think that they can handle the pride by itself. So it starts going like this. And it's fighting on its own, trying to do its own thing. And the herd is still moving. The herd is still moving. And, and then he look around. He's like, huh? Where everybody at? You was fighting by yourself instead of walking in unity with the herd. And so when you tried to fight by yourself, the enemy just pulled you away and they pulled that cattle down and kill it. Listen, we need to work in a spiritual herd mentality under Jesus Christ. <laughs> Listen to this paragraph. I'm almost done. I'm enjoying this. Are you with me? If a Christian brother unable to enjoy the freedom that's yours is troubled by your unrestricted diet or whatever it is, right? and you persist in eating whatever you wish, you are no longer acting in the spirit of love. Paul's instruction is clear. Do not allow your freedom of conscience to destroy your brother or sister for whom Christ died. To influence others to act against their conscience, this is what we were saying earlier, is a serious matter. Listen to this. It's a serious matter. Acting contrary to what one perceives to be right is to weaken one's own moral structure. Y'all don't even know how rich that is. Whenever you push up against someone's conscience, because they're weak or immature, I would say even in that area, it begins to pull apart their understanding of what right and wrong is. That's why you have to be careful that your liberty isn't applied, particularly as a leader, sometimes around younger people who will take what you do as a freedom to access. Because what you can handle, the person you do it around may not be able to handle that thing like you, and then they take it to its sinful conclusion. Verse 21, it is good not to eat meat 
or to drink wine or do anything that makes your brother or sister stumble. He then says, whatever you believe about these things, keep them between yourself and God. <laughs> I like that. Paul says, now he said, I'm not telling you to stop doing it altogether. It's just you need to have discretion. That means if certain people come over, you don't have an issue, put your wine bottles under the sink. Listen, he says, bless is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. So now he's going to the other side. He's saying, listen, use discretion. He said, but if there's somebody around that's pressing you about your liberty being wrong, don't condemn yourself about what you approve of because God isn't saying, isn't saying that you're in sin. Are y'all tracking with me? This is super important. And so these, these are just good principles, right? And this is going to guide uh, 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 the rest of our series. But listen to what it says, and I'm closing. Verse 23. But whoever doubts stands condemned if he eats. Because he is eating not from faith. This is dope. This is a huge principle. Everything that is not from faith is sin. So that's, that's a big principle. So questions. Questions and I'm done. Questions. These are some questions I have. Do you value God's kingdom? Number one. Do you as a believer value God's kingdom? Is God's kingdom enough for you to say, I'll restrict for the glory of God? Um, is your life driven centrally by your own personal interests? Do your personal interests drive your life, right? That's something I want to encourage. And again, I'm not saying everybody in this generation does that. I'm not saying that. So I want y'all walking away. One of the things we sick of is y'all saying we do everything wrong. That's not what I'm saying, right? So is your, is your life driven centrally by your own personal interests? Number three, is your life open to God calling the shots? Is, is your life open to God? Like, can God call the shots and, and us not talk ourselves out of it being God? Like, God isn't going to tell you certain things, right? I mean, the devil's not going to tell you certain things. So valuing God's kingdom. Uh, one of the things that Jesus says in Matthew 13, he says that uh, a, a man, a merchant of pearls, went about uh, to search for pearls. But when he found one pearl of great value, he sold all he had and bought it. What did that parable mean? It's when he found, Jesus, Jesus said, this is what the kingdom is like. The kingdom is like somebody, a pearl merchant who knows the value of something, finds the best version of it and sells everything and banks everything on that one thing. That, that's what we're supposed to do as believers. Now, you've been looking for a kingdom. You've been looking for, you've been looking for all of these different things. But now that Jesus, you bank your life on Christ and his kingdom now. And listen, let me tell you something. Doing God's way always pays off. Hear me. Hear me. There have been times in my life where I've done things God's way and it paid off. I, I'll talk about this when we do the, the live on the whole fraternity sorority stuff. But there's one thing that I, I can remember um, because there was a season where I denounced my, my fraternity. We'll talk about that later. We talk about liberties and the relation. I know everybody got questions about that. Masonry, we ain't even talking about that. That's demonic. Easter star, demonic. Don't call me. Don't text me. The devil <laughs> is in that mug. I got books on it. I've done research on it. It's from the entire pit of hell. Okay. Um, it is. And so I don't care what you think. You can say what you want to me. You can't tell me when you got the Bible and the Quran there and you got Baphomet and all of that. That's a whole nother issue. Um, but I denounced. Right. And, I, and there are times when fraternities and sororities do have issues that you need to fall back from. Right. 
Um, but I remember, man, denouncing it very, very early. And when God gave me a different perspective on it as I got older, and I was reengaging on my terms, right, on my terms, um, I looked back and was like, dang, man, I wish I'd have never did this because I missed out on this and I didn't do that. And the Lord was like, nah, you did what you were supposed to do at that time. And, and, and God said, look at what I did. If you would have been the president of the chapter and doing all of that stuff, will those five percenters have come to Christ? Will all of these different ones would have? And God just started showing me different things that, 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 that ended up paying off in my journey because I didn't have that. And I'm going to say, as a distraction at that season of my life. And, and, and you have to recognize that when you give up something for God, God always replaces it and makes you fruitful. I don't think anything I'm doing today is by happenstance. Everything, that, everything that's happening today was by God's work in making sacrifices that I didn't understand. Some of you are going to have to make some sacrifices that you don't understand because some of the things that you're praying for that's good for your life, God wants to remove. Listen, this is a word for you. Remove something for a season from your life because it's taking up too much attention in order that you may focus on the thing that he most wants to do out of your life. And you'll have the energy because, listen, you're made up of the spiritual energy that you have to get stuff done. If your spiritual energy, and I'm not talking about no esoteric knowledge, I'm talking about energy based on Colossians 1.29, the energy that Christ gives. Some of us are giving away the energy that God has invested in us for a kingdom thing, for something that's a personal preference. And God is saying, I want you to put Isaac on the altar and I will give you a ram in the bush. <laughs> so I'm done. What is a disciple? What is a disciple? A disciple is one who has renounced him or herself and pledged their life to a long, lifelong apprenticeship to Jesus Christ. I'm not telling you to do nothing Christ didn't do. It said, adopt this same mind, attitude, as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself. By assuming the form of a servant, none of this he had to do, taking on the likeness of humanity, and when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient. Somebody say obedient. obedient. Obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess above heaven and under earth that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ not only not only came to earth but he restricted himself from a deity from his deity without stopping being god but placing independent use of his attributes up even though he's god for a season knowing god would exalt him i want us to think about that that god has better than what we're pursuing we're going to get into this series we're going to talk about a whole bunch of good stuff. And y'all ready for the ride? Yeah. All right, so remember these principles. I want y'all to listen to this week's message and the first message. And I want you to meditate on it so that we can guide, it can guide us through this series. Father, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this time to um, guide us. Guide us through a godly direction when it comes to this. Make your word flesh. Help it to dwell among us. 
practically so that we know the principles but we also know the practice maybe there's someone here today and you've never met the Savior Jesus Christ the eternal Son of God who was and who is and who is to come if you're here today and you want to place your confidence in him that he died on the cross for your sins to bring you back to God that's what Jesus wants to do one of the things that we learn as believers is there's no life without him you may think you're living now but you're not living till you know God through Jesus if you're here today and you want to place your confidence in him hold your hand up he replaced you on the cross to go from spiritual death to spiritual life is there anyone here today I know it was one last time and we ended up catching that person anyone here today anyone online if you're online we would love to um, talk to you as well our search team will place a link in the description to help you through whatever you need to work through as it relates to prayer or salvation all right let's get our hearts and minds ready for communion Communion is a time where believers are reminded of their unity with God. Our unity was wrought was wrought in Christ. Community is what we call the mighty equalizer. Nobody, whether you're poor, you're rich and middle class no class everybody has to come to God the same way 1st Corinthians teach in principle that the communion is a reminder that no one's better than anybody in the church but we get to celebrate the one who makes us equal stand to your feet anyone didn't receive communion Hold your hand up. We want to make sure we get the elements to you. If you haven't received them yet, anyone didn't receive the elements, they want to take them. Remember, communion is for believers, those who have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, placed their confidence in Him. If you don't know Him, please let the elements pass. Jesus left us this symbol of his body this symbol of his body is us invisible and visible believers together a symbol of the fact that we're in him and he's in us let us eat together in the world there's tight uh, there's different blood types B positive O a negative, A positive, all these different blood types. But no matter what your blood type is, when Jesus has died for your sins and it's been poured out for you, all of us, no matter what ethnicity, no matter what background, and no matter what family line we're from, we're one family. And so this is the blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant that was shed for us and for many for the remission of sins. Let us drink together. Well, God, life in you makes sense. God, I thank you 
for those who have been so committed to you and who are walking with you and who are living for you and who are pursuing you. Lord God, help us to encourage one another while it's still day to walk with you. Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling, present you faultless before his throne with exceeding gladness and joy. To him, our Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Members, remember there's a member meeting here in 10 minutes in this room. God bless you and have a good one. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder and pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you. We love you.